Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Thursday afternoon. Welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and of course on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. Glad to be with you this afternoon. Got the whole crew back together after a big day yesterday from Brian Haydad. We'll hear more about that coming up. And uh, Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. Good to be with you. Coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. Learn more about them online at PearlRiverResort.com. PearlRiverResort.com. The ceasefire text line is open to you. 601-879-4395. Introducing the new Connect and Protect plan from Ceasefire, the phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you. It's just $30 a month with auto pay. Learn more at ceasefire.com. Ceasefire. Customer inspired. We had basketball last night in Oxford. We had baseball yesterday afternoon in Oxford. We have baseball, a rare Thursday game today in Starkville as Mississippi State's weekend series with Mount St. Mary's has been moved up a day. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, today, and tomorrow's games both starting at 3 o'clock. That was because of a travel issue related to Mount St. Mary's. So, good afternoon, fellas. Got an interesting-looking dude on the mound right now, does Mount St. Mary's. I'm still trying to uh, get the stream pulled up. It, it, he's there just it pe- he's peak male performance is what he is. And horrible uniforms. Whoever designed those, I, I hope that was like a contest for like a middle school graphic design class to design uniforms in the winter. He gets to have the baseball team wear them once in a year because, uh, yikes. Looks a little bit like the... Um, the standout basketball player for uh, Indiana State. I've seen it, him making the rounds. Like Kareem Abdul Jabbar? Yes, I think that is uh, how he has been referred. <laughs> hey, we got the sound figured out on uh, on on the video stream. Yes, we do. Okay. Yes, we do. Okay. Yes, we do. Okay. Yes, we do. Okay. Yes, we do. Wow. Wow. Now we've got an echo. That, that was Hey Dad. Oh, good grief. Hey Dad, get your save. You missed one day and all of a sudden, here we go. It's not me. It's that that was hey dad because the second it happened, did you see? No, 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 it, it was me. It was me, but it wasn't me. Mm. Yeah, on his end, not his fault. There we go. Hello, Brian. Hey dad. 
Hello. They've done something to either my chair or my camera. I'm 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 I'm, I'm bigger somehow. No, just, you've been going now, the other as direction. Now, as we know, our market research, our demographics have shown the more of my body we can get on camera, the higher our ratings are. So we've got a little bit more of my upper half in here today. But we have so been I willing. I expect this to be a highly rated show. We, yeah. We've been willing to sacrifice ratings, though, for you to have less body. I think it's. I don't think it's percentage of my body versus just how much of my body you can see. Oh, okay. So, like, if you could get all of my body, if I only weighed 180, it would still be good. You know? mm. So tell us about yesterday. You took a day off of work. You made the trek one state to the east. We debated as to yes. whether or not it was Huntsville or Birmingham. Borky remembered that it was Huntsville for was AEW Huntsville. Wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, it was, we had a, we had a quite a time. Uh, we'll put it that way. So, uh, you know, when you, you know this, when you when you know people who can who can do stuff for you, you should you should you can take advantage of the, of them. Is how I look at it. You know, if somebody can do you a favor, put the pressure on them to do it. So I, I when with AEW uh, coming to Huntsville and me having tickets, I texted uh, our friend Brandon Walker from Barstool Sports, who of course has a lot of connections in the wrestling business. And wait, is he our friend? Like, hey, tell, tell your He's our friend. He likes you. Okay. And uh, I, I, I was like, hey, why don't you talk to Tony Khan, tell him hook your boy up with something. You know, I just thought, like, maybe better seats. I ended up having really good seats as it was, so that wasn't an issue. But and Tony Khan is the son of Shad Khan, the owner of right. the Jacksonville the Jaguars. Jaguars. Okay. Correct. And they also own a Fulham Football Club, and they own a... It's a couple other things. Okay. And they own AEW. That's what you do when you're a billionaire. So he, you buy stuff. You buy stuff. You buy stuff that doesn't depreciate. Um, so Brandon says, yeah, sure, I'll take care of it. And uh, I got a, a text from one guy, and then I got a text from another guy, and the guy was like, hey, when you get here, just let me know. We'll come get you. So that's what we did. We drove over, got in the arena. It's like, hey, we're here. And so I thought, I was under the, my, my thought process was we're going to get to, you know, they're going to pull us off to the side. They're going to have a wrestler there. We'll say hello. We'll get a picture. And that's what we're going to do. That's not what we did. Okay. Uh, we go back. He's like, all right, let's go. Let's go. And we go through the backstage area. And, uh, you know, he's like, all right, this is where it's called gorilla position where they sit there. They're watching the show from backstage and they're letting people know. They're letting the announcers know what to say. They're, you know, they're they're telling the refs what they need to do, stuff like that. He's like, all right, this is where Tony Khan will sit tonight. He'll be here tonight. He'll sit here, then and he'll he'll help run the show with the, one of the producers. And so he's like, all right, let's go over to catering. You can grab a drink while you're in there. You know, if you want to take it back to your seat or whatever. And then there'll be some folks in catering. So we walk into the catering, and the first guy I see is Jake the Snake Roberts. I was like, oh man, like this is like one of my all time favorite wrestlers here. And out of the corner of my eye. I see this bright green suit, and I'm like, only one man could pull that suit off. Mm. It's got to be. And I turn my head, and that is the nature boy, Ric Flair, sitting there getting uh, getting some food. And I was just like, and so the guy had told us, like, hey, if you see somebody you want to grab a picture with or say hello to, let me know. And I just looked at him and was like, say hello to him. And <laughs> he just said, yeah, I thought you might. And um, so he grabs Rick. And uh, he's like, hey, uh, he kept introducing us as friends of Barstool. So we were getting a little extra street cred there, I guess. Okay. And uh, Flair's couldn't have been nicer. I shook our hand, took a picture. 
Robbie told him, uh, Robbie Falk, I told him, he's like, I saw you at WrestleMania a couple years ago. You were up at the bar. And Flair just looked at him and was like, you sure it was me at the bar? And if you know Flair, you know why that's funny. And then he's like, yeah, you you were uh, you had about three vodka cranberries in your hands. And he's like, yep, that was definitely me. Mm. So <laughs> he, he let him know. The identifier. Uh, we got to meet. We got to take some pictures. I met about five other wrestlers uh, and some commentators. I met Tony Schiavone, who you know is a longtime wrestling announcer. You might know him, Richard, from his years. We were working with uh, Georgia basketball. Still does. Uh, I it, think. It, yeah. I know he's, I think he's full-time with wrestling now. Um, oh, Okay. I got to, got this got to talk to Jake. I saw I talked to Jake the Snake. I pulled him aside. I was like, "Hey, man, the first ever match I ever went to as a kid with my dad. You wrestled Terry Taylor at the Vicksburg Municipal Auditorium." And he just smiled and he looked at me. He's like, "Long time ago, brother." And I was like, "You're right. You're not wrong." So that was a lot of fun. Um, it way way exceeded my uh, my expectations. I thought the two things that that were the coolest for me was one, I got to see some of the masked wrestlers with no masks. And it was cool trying to figure out who was who. Like, is that? Yeah, it is. And it, there was that, those moments like that. But the second thing, and Robbie and Logan noticed this too, everybody we met sized us up. Everybody we met gave us the once-over like, all right, I could take him. And it was incredible. I, I think, and I guess part of it was because, like, somebody introducing them could have been like, hey, these guys are some local talent that we're bringing in tonight to to, to help us with something. And they might have to be in the ring for a minute, but you don't know that. So, this when they everybody I met gave me the once over was like, "Hey, how's it going?" and and could tell they were wondering, like they were thinking, like I could take him, which they could. So I, I wasn't worried about it. Maybe they had seen pictures of you from the past, and they were just uh, noticing how good you looked, how much, how much. Maybe so. I did meet LBs somebody who. who the one guy was like, "You look really familiar," and I was like, "Man, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't, I don't know you." But he apparently used to work for our friend Cole Kublik, and had uh, had been at SEC Media Days enough times that I was familiar looking to him. I was like, "Oh, well, that's that's definitely where you know me from." Then, so very cool. Adam in Monticello yeah. says that he is jealous. Somebody wants to know if we've heard a "Hey Dad" woo yet? No, not going to either. I guess. Uh, and Andy's nah, not, not impressed. Today. He says, "Yawn." Well, Andy, sorry. Oh, okay. We just uh, we like to share life experiences sometimes, and uh, this was a cool one for Brian. Hey, Dad, I-, I do see from the picture that you sent us last night that uh, Ric Flair, in a- as he should be, he was wearing a solid gold Ro- Rolex. Oh yeah. Did you ask him to 100%. try to watch on or anything? I did not. No, I didn't do any of that. No. Very uh, very good. So how late did you get home last night? Uh, I put head to pillow about three. Oh, yeah. What time did the show end? Uh, Eleven. It was they, they they taped a second show, so they did the live dynamite and then they taped their show for Saturday while we were there. So it, the event ended a little bit after eleven. I did notice as I was scrolling through the pictures that um, you put on Twitter. Is is every wrestler that is part of AEW old? Or you were only interested no, in the old guys? I didn't see any young guys in well, any of the pictures you took. The, the the one we took with Swerve Strickland, he's a young guy. Okay. But I mean, yeah, I met some some of the legend guys and I was just that those are the ones that I was the most impressed by, you know, back when I was younger. 
Sports Talk Mississippi, just getting started with you in the Pearl River Resort studio. We're back right after this. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. We'll leave the uh, Hey Dad road trip behind in just a second, but there were a couple of questions for you. One was an observation. You can hear the grin on Hey Dad's face, jealous of the picture of you guys with Ric Flair. Very cool. And then uh, somebody wants to know, are the wrestling guys certified, uh, I'm sorry, regular dudes or certified trolls? Regular dudes. And it's not the same but it kind of is the same. You know, Richard, we, we go places sometimes when people are like, hey, I, I love the show. I appreciate, you know, what you guys do. And we're always like, oh, oh we thank you. We appreciate you. It's the same thing, right? It, it's the exact same thing. You know, they're, they're very gracious to their fans, I thought, because um, they didn't have to give us any of their time, but uh, the ones we spoke to were very nice. Uh, Jeff Jarrett told me about his daughter who plays uh, D3 base basketball. She was down in – he was in Jackson uh, earlier this week at Millsaps watching a game there. Uh, with his daughter there, so I thought that was cool, and just just getting to talk. There was one guy, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, his name is Don Callis. If you're a wrestling fan, you know who he is. If you, you're not, you don't. But he's been in the wrestling business a long, long time, so he was just sitting there talking. He was just telling us all this stuff about the business, and I'll I'll, I'll edit it, but he, he said, uh, you know, a long time ago, if you didn't like somebody, you just crapped in their lunchbox. You can't do that anymore. And I thought that was hilarious. And uh, as he left, the guy who was with us from AEW was like, you realize these guys are media, and you just told all this stuff to, and he was like, no, 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 don't do any of that. And I just looked at him, I was like, no, I'll tag you in the tweet, don't worry. And he's just like, no, 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 don't say any of that. And then he walked away. It was fun. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. So while Hey Dad was watching All Elite Wrestling last night, Ole Miss and Alabama were playing at the Sandy and John Black Pavilion at Ole Miss, and what a start to the game for the uh, for the Rebels! Really, really fast start. And some of the things Borky that we talked about yesterday that Ole Miss had to do happened. First of all, first and foremost, they came out and they made shots. They played with a really high energy level. Uh, they shared the basketball. They looked in sync offensively. They were good enough on the defensive end that they forced Alabama into some maybe not great shots, maybe not super high percentage shots. And Alabama cooperated by not shooting the three well in the first half. They shot it well enough to stay in it. It never turned into a runaway. But the first, what? 14, 15, 16 minutes of the game. Yeah. I think that's about as good as Ole Miss is capable of looking, especially offensively. Uh, no doubt. And the the thing you said there is the most important thing. And it's something that we've talked about during this losing skid every game is how stagnant they can get when they don't share the ball. But to, to keep it in the context of the, the way you frame this, the first 14 minutes were the best that they could play. 
That 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 went as well as it possibly could have gone for them. And even still, the last four minutes, Alabama made some shots, but they went into halftime with a lead. Uh, made shots, shared the basketball, defensive activity, didn't make mistakes. They looked like a team that was poised to win the game and get themselves back on the NCAA tournament bubble. But the issue, it happens every game. They can play, last night they played 30 minutes of brilliant basketball. 25 to 30 minutes of brilliant basketball. And the other 10, the ball sticks, doesn't move around. It takes them 15 seconds to get into their offensive sets. They turn it over. They give up offensive rebounds. They don't get back on transition. It's incredible that they can look so different during the course of one game. Like, Alabama's great, and they make shots, and they're a great team, and they're hard to defend and all that. But the ball movement, how good it was early versus the second half of the second half, it's like a totally different team in the course of the same game. It's crazy. I was thinking back to part of our conversation with Dane Bradshaw yesterday, and one of the things that he emphasized was Ole Miss and defensive rebounding. He said you can't allow Alabama a lot of second chances. Well, Ole Miss did not check that box last night. They gave up 14 offensive rebounds to Alabama. And weren't four of those right out of uh, of the halftime locker room. I think there was four in the first few minutes of the second half, each of which led to an Alabama bucket. Yeah, 14 offensive rebounds led to 20 second-chance points for Alabama. It's an offense that you can't give extra possessions, extra shots to. There was one thing that, that really jumped out at me, because Alabama, uh, excuse me, Ole Miss actually shot it better from the field than Alabama did. Ole Miss shot 52% in the first half, 52% in the second half. And I'm not a math guy, but I think that equals 52% for the game. That is outstanding. Ole Miss was efficient from three. They hit four in the first half, but oh, four of 13, that wasn't great. Four of nine in the second half. But Alabama took 70 shots in the game. Ole Miss had 54 shot attempts. Yeah. And and there are two things at play there. One, Bama got extra possessions because of offensive rebounding. And two, it shows you the pace with which Alabama plays. They just play so fast, almost every game they are going to have more shot attempts than their opponents. Yeah, 14 offensive rebounds, 14 turnovers for Ole Miss. Yeah. I mean, those are the extra possessions. Those are the extra shot attempts right there. That's how you account for it. And some of those were careless, too. Chris Beard talked about it after the game. And, uh, he said the first 20 minutes were the best that they played all season. And then the second half, it wasn't just that they turned the basketball over. It was how careless the turnovers were. Inopportune and careless they were. As opposed, and you know, there's never a good turnover, but just the the sloppiness in which they gave the basketball away early in the second half basically ended the game. Well, and it's the the age old story of live ball turnovers versus dead ball turnovers. Live ball turnovers lead to breakaway buckets on the other end of the floor. Dead ball turnovers, at least you've got a chance to get your defense set and try and come up with a stop. If you have to have a turnover, you would greatly prefer dead ball turnovers than live ball turnovers. Um, Alabama 
scored 64 points in the second half. Ole Miss held them to 39 in the first half. That's a really good number. Yeah. And, and there are a couple of things with the scoring to me that stand out. Number one, if you score 88 points more times than not, you're supposed to win. But that is not the case against Alabama. I mean, Alabama scored 95 in a loss just a few days ago. But they gave up 117. I did not think that Alabama played great defense, but they're not a great defensive team. They were a good enough defensive team, but they're certainly not a great defensive team. We think about Alabama's three-point shooting because they do it at a pretty prolific rate. They got to the rim at will last night. Whether it was big men or guards driving downhill into the lane or forwards slashing to the basket, their their low post game is not we're looking for a one-on-one ISO Tolu Smith style bounce it into him and let Grant Taylor go to work. That's not what they do at all. It's all about cutting and lanes and putting pressure on the defense. I said Grant Taylor. I meant Grant Nelson. Yeah, yeah they spread you out and break you down. Yeah. Uh, mentioned it with Kentucky yesterday. Same analogy. They forced Ole Miss, and they forced every team they play, to defend them the way NBA teams have to defend, which is you have to put a body out on the perimeter and just clear the lane because if you leave a shooter open, and Ole Miss did some of that last night, especially in the second half, yeah. they kill you. But that clears the lane open for slashers and cutters and, and things like that. I mean, that the, the shot-making, the availability of shot-making for Alabama is impressive. I mean, they, they bring three guys off the bench that can make open threes if you give them to them, contested threes if you give it to them. Uh, it is really impressive to watch them work. But I mean, Alabama had two guys that each made four threes in the second half. And neither one of them was Mark Sears. Mark Sears was 0-4 from three in the second half. Ryland Griffin went four for five, and Davin Cosby went four for six. Off the bench, too. Two guys combined to go eight for 11 in the second half from three. That's what Alabama is as a team. It is. And that is to their credit, some of which, and we'll have to get to this when we come back, Ole Miss's defensive effort's been an issue all season long. And I don't know if it's a lack of communication. I don't know if it's laziness. I don't know what it is. But the the volume of Alabama would swing it to a shooter that was not getting closed out on. Like, like the guy got lost somehow by an Ole Miss defender. Happened, it just happened too much last night. So when you've got an Alabama team that can shoot the way they do, and you've got guys, when the ball's moving, that are looking around just kind of lost in the lane, not closing out on the shooter because they don't know where the shooter is, you get punished, and Alabama punished them for it. Sports Talk Mississippi will pick up this conversation. We'll get to some of your thoughts on the C Spire text line that is coming up after this timeout in the Pearl River Resort Studio. On Super Talk Mississippi.
probably know the outcome of that basketball game last night. I was thinking during the break, we, we talked a lot about the things that Ole Miss did well, uh, but they were not able to sustain. Alabama did win the game. So despite trailing by three at the half, they scored 64 in the second half and won it by 15, 113 to 88. And it leaves you a question for this Ole Miss team. We know what the likely answer is. We know what the likely outcome is. And that is that this is probably an NIT team. My guess is they win two of their final three games. If they win all three to get to 9-9. And, uh uh-oh, the mic go out? No, you're good. Oh, I just, maybe it's my headphones. There we go. Oh, we're good. Sorry. I, I said 113. 103.88, not 113.88. My bad. Um, if they win their final three regular season games, and that's not impossible. They play Missouri, who they have already beaten. They play Texas A&M, who they have already beaten on the road. And they go to Georgia. And it's a Georgia team that has been close a lot and has not been able to get over the hump. And they finished 9-9 nine and nine in Southeastern Conference play with 22 wins overall. They would likely have some work to do when they get to the SEC tournament. Yeah. If, if they win two, then they're 8-10. and 10, And at that point, probably outside playing their way all the way to Sunday in the championship game, they're in an IT team. And I don't know that there's a lot of shame in that. There's disappointment no. in that because of where Ole Miss was for much of the season. But I think the balance of the season has kind of shown what this Ole Miss team is. The results in year one, I think, kind of show you what Chris Beard does and and what he is capable of doing. But... It's not just about, oh, you got to go get more players. There's a cultural thing. Yeah. Now, I, I do feel like you got to qualify it when you say that because there is turnover on rosters every single year. People flip their entire basketball roster year to year. But you do also have examples of older guys. And, and what I mean, I guess when I say cultural – is Matthew Morrell is a really good basketball player. And his defense is much better this year than it has ever been in his career. Jamin Brakefield is a really good basketball player. Chris Beard needs to bring in a bunch of guys that are going to play the style of basketball that he is most comfortable coaching. And that is a tough, tenacious defense. That can score some, too. It's a great word. Because over the last few weeks, especially the the South Carolina game and now the Alabama game, for 40 minutes, with their season on the line, is tenacious a word that you could use to describe the way they played? No. I mean, I thought they kind of looked like that for the first 15 minutes or so last night. Yeah. I mean, that, was, that was really, really good basketball from Ole Miss. But you know what I would describe? I would say... One of the two games you mentioned, and one that you didn't mention, you saw tenaciousness on the floor, but it was from the other team. 
South Carolina, they played with a tenacity in that game that was it was clear. Yeah. And Mississippi State's the other one. Mississippi State right now is playing with a huge sense of urgency. They are tenacious on the defensive end. I know they lost the game to Kentucky two nights ago. Kentucky's a really good, really talented basketball team. It's not because Mississippi State didn't play hard. It's not because they didn't give it max effort. They did everything they could to win that basketball game. And we're down seven under a minute and tied it up. Got beat at the buzzer. Hey, Dad, you obviously weren't here yesterday to, to talk about that game. It was it was a tremendous basketball game. You're probably tired of me saying that about games that Mississippi State loses. I feel like they've been involved in two of those this year where they've come up short. Yeah, they've been in two great games, and they're 0-2 and, and been both of them. And, and yeah, uh, I was kind of glad not to, to be here yesterday. Be totally, I love you two guys, but you know, sometimes you just got to let things breathe a little oh, bit. We love you too. Um, but... Oh. We spent a and, uh, we, we had somebody text. He's like, I'm really impressed that you guys got an entire hour out of a single basketball game that was a loss for Mississippi State. But it wasn't yeah. it wasn't a beat up on Mississippi State conversation by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, nor should it have been. I mean, State showed you enough that you know that they're going to be a problem for somebody in March in all likelihood. Now, I say that, and they could drop their first game, but that that's a good team. And Hubbard is getting better each and every week. I mean, back-to-back 30-point performances from, from Josh Hubbard. Went toe-to-toe with Reed Shepard for, for SEC Freshman of the Year. That that vote's very much still up in the air, as is my I, – I, I've gone back and forth. You know, after that game last week, I thought, okay, maybe Morrell will be my my uh, my Howell winner. I almost said it again. And uh, But now, I mean, after these, these last two games, how do I not look at Hubbard? So – um, State did everything except win, and you know, in a it's a win loss society we live in. They would have preferred to win that game. They would have liked to have won that game. It would have sealed up their bid to the NCAA tournament. But at the end of the day, they they, they showed you that if they get to that NCAA tournament, and I think that they will, they're going to uh, to be in really good shape. So they got some good news today on the uh, on the net front. By the way, I don't know if we talked, we haven't talked about it, but uh, Northwestern finally jumped into the top fifty. So the state picks up an extra quad one win today uh, with Northwestern going to 48. I think they beat Maryland uh, last night on the road, so that's a quad one win for Northwestern. Nice. Wait, was Northwestern a road game or a neutral site game? Neutral site. Neutral. That's why. That's why top 50. 50. Okay, that's why that matters. But yeah. D- doesn't that bring you to question why not Ole Miss? You, you talk about how good and engaged – South Carolina was. They looked like the team that had their back against the wall. Uh, a win or else type game for South Carolina. It wasn't for them, but they looked like it. I mean, last night, again, Alabama is is elite. They shoot well, all that. Like, that is all absolutely very true. And in basketball, sometimes you have stretches of, of offense where you can't score. I mean, Beard talked last night about how the ball stuck too much for periods of time in the second half. That is a thing that happens in basketball. It happens in the NBA. It happens to great teams and bad teams all alike. That happens. But why is it that a team with veterans on it can have a moment where you're playing Alabama who you know wants to get out and run? Even after makes. If you make a shot, Alabama wants to get out and run. That's what they do. They want to play so fast, and 
in the second half of a game that you absolutely must win, you have to win against a team like Alabama, a veteran player makes a shot, and while he's celebrating that shot with the crowd, Alabama's making a basket at the other end. The celebration's still going on when the ball's leaving an Alabama player's hand. You know, we talked about this this morning a little bit, and that's not an effort thing. I mean, I don't think you can accuse Jamin Brakefield of not playing hard. He does. He does, and he's important to this Ole Miss basketball team. But it's a basketball IQ thing. It's an awareness. I mean, awareness is probably the best word. That's a good word, especially with the the leaving open shooters, too. That's an awareness thing. And, and, And so you know that Chris Beard talked in scouting report meetings. We have to get back on defense. We have to get back on defense. They want to run. And you hit a big shot. The crowd goes wild. It's an important moment. You turn and you face the students just like you would against pretty much any other team on your schedule. The difference is the team you're playing on that particular night plays the game differently than anybody else on your schedule. And if you blink, you get burned. Because they run and they run and they run and they run and they run. It's like when you're playing a a super fast-paced offense in football. You can prepare for it all you want. But at some point, a defensive lineman who is in the habit of having a little bit longer to get into their stance and get their hand down into the dirt is not going to be ready when the ball is snapped and they're going to get beat. And it's like, okay, the fatigue of the game, a big play that happened, caused you to lose your mental edge and you were not aware of what you had been told was what was going to happen and then it happened and you got burned. Probably happens to everybody to some degree, but man, it feels like it puts a spotlight on it when it's Alabama, right? When you hit a shot, throw your arms up, turn to the crowd, and before you blink, Alabama has a shot going up from the opposite wing on the opposite end of the floor. It's pretty, it's kind of out there on Front Street at that point. Sports Talk, Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. We're back with you right after this. From the Venable Glass Trap. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. It doesn't get any better than this. On Supertalk Mississippi. Baseball going in Starkville. Mississippi State was leading two to nothing over Mount St. Mary's, but a um, oh goodness, did State bungle the rundown? A run has no, come they, a, they got okay. A run has come across. It's now a two to one game. St. Mary's batting in the top of the fourth inning with runners at the corners and two outs. 
And State had the bases loaded in the bottom of the third with a chance to extend the lead. Couldn't get a base hit with two outs, though, and so it stayed two to nothing. But Mount St. Mary's has gotten on the board in the fourth, and it's going to be two to one with Mississippi State coming to the plate. This whole Thursday afternoon baseball thing's a weird dynamic. Yes. Yes. That's all I can say. Yes. Well, and, and I'm hesitating because I was looking at it going to commercial break. There was kind of a shot of the crowd. And, and this is not a knock on anybody. I mean, it's cold. It's Thursday. It's out of the normal routine. That may be the smallest crowd I've ever seen at Duty Noble. And, and again, it, it's not a knock on anybody. It's just that's kind of what happens when you finally have a cold game that you play at 3 o'clock on a Thursday afternoon, and I guess there's nothing you can do about it. So we'll, uh, we'll I want to I want to go to a message that we got on the ceasefire text line. And, and you guys got to help me understand this. And, and I, look, I, I have no idea who what this person is a fan of. I haven't scrolled back. Um, Southern Miss, I think. The message was, no way state deserves to be in. In what? <clears throat> like, in the Naismith Hall of Fame as one of the greatest teams of all time? Bingo, I'm with you. I agree. No way state deserves to be in that. In federal prison? I agree. No way state men's basketball team deserves to be in federal prison. We don't know of anything that they've done that that deserves them to be that. It's all allegations. No way State deserves to be in advanced calculus as a team? Molecular biology as a team? I probably agree with you on that. Because they probably hadn't taken all the prereqs. Something other than sports. But if you're talking about the NCAA tournament, what the heck are you watching? No way they deserve to I, be I, in? I don't know what, what this guy wants. Like, I genuinely would love to hear your rationale. Like, get, give me more. Tell me why, in your mind, that there's no way that states deserves to be in the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Uh, unless he's a purist and wants the field to shrink in half. If there were only 48 teams in the tournament, I think they'd still deserve they'd to be still, in. Yeah. They'd still make it because you'd eliminate the yeah. conference champions at that at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting message I got on the uh, ceasefire text line. Talking about the frustration of Ole Miss getting lost in defense. To your point a second ago, Borky. Whether it's Breakfield hits a shot and can't get back, or it's one of the half dozen times a game where Alan Flanagan just loses his man, which is the, the crazy thing about that is when Alan Flanagan's locked in, he's a pretty, pretty decent defender. Yeah. He's an incredibly aggressive offensive player. But he just loses it. And you're like, how does that happen? To, to me, it's this. You have ingrained 
bad habits. And this is not a knock on other coaches. And I'm using multiple examples here, right? I mean, Brandon Murray, I'm sorry, Juju Murray loses his guy on defense a lot. He played for the Peacocks. Alan Flanagan loses his guy on the defensive end. He played for Bruce Pearl, who has a reputation of being a pretty decent defensive coach. With Brakefield and Morrell, they lose their guy defensively. They don't do the things that the little things that they need to do defensively. They play for Kermit Davis. So this is not picking on Kermit Davis at all. But you have guys that have that are older players. Two of are, are any of them fifth year players? Flanagan's a fifth year guy. Mm-hmm. Morell's a fourth year guy. Brakefield's either fourth or fifth. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But you have long-term ingrained bad habits. So what are you going to do when they blow a defensive assignment? You going to bench them? Yeah. You going to jump up and down and yell and scream and yank them out of the game? We've seen that doesn't work. And are you going to take two of your best three scoring options and put them on the bench? Okay, now you got another problem. Maybe you got somebody else that plays hard on defense. But they can't make a shot to save their life. So you kind of have to roll with what you've got and hope that it kind of comes together. And if you have a defensive miscue that it doesn't cost you a game, that's a tough scenario. We'll be back. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here, Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. Bottom of the fifth inning in Starkville, Mississippi State leading 2-1 to one over Mount St. Mary's game one of this weekend's three-game series. Alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. We're glad to be with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. Visit them online at Pearl River Resort or stop by in person and check them out. All guests on Sports Talk Mississippi up here on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Luke Johnson joins us right now, co-host of the Eagle Hour, Super Talk Hattiesburg, Super Talk Laurel. Good afternoon, Luke. Hey, Richard. Cool here in South Mississippi, but uh, one of those, I guess we only get this day every once every four years, but yeah, it's cold today. It's uh, leap, leap day, February 29th. Somebody sent us a message earlier, it's like, you guys have got to spoof off of that and come up with topics or whatever. Maybe we will. Um, it's going to warm up in a hurry, right? I'm sorry. Y'all just, I figured y'all would have a discussion if people born on this day or like their actual years or only the actual amount of February 29th that occur in their lifetime. So I figured y'all would start off the discussion today that way. Jane and I have a dear friend who was born on February 29th and she's probably. 50-ish. So it's like, I don't know, does she claim to be 12? You guys missed one then. Monty Kiffin. Saw that. Saw that on um, on the, uh, I don't know, Instagram or Twitter or somewhere yeah. earlier today. 
Uh, so, Luke, uh, we are underway with spring football for Southern Miss. We talked about this some yesterday. Will Hall, the, the man loves football, and he loves to spread spring practice out. Starts on February 27th, finishes on April 11th, and that's only because he can't start it on February 14th and finish on May 10th. He also loves the state of Mississippi, so we call this the Natchez Trace approach to spring football. Um, and the, the reason for that is he has two main reasons for that, to, to teach, but you know he, he wants to – Spring football to be physical, and he told us today on the Eagle Hour about uh, to, for the the ability to recover. You know, they go about three days a week. They'll go. They went today, which is day two. They'll go Saturday, helmets first day, and then really in March they'll go. Uh, except for spring break week, they'll go three days a week, and then in April he does something interesting too. You know, he he has the spring game the third practice of April, and then he has two. Uh, practices after the spring game in order to uh, for them to to fix to find some things out. But 29 newcomers, so this approach really suits it well for guys to be able to to learn two new systems. They're learning a whole different system on offense um, and defense with Chip Long and and Clay Bignell as the new coordinators. It's so fascinating to me the way that different coaches look at spring practice. You have some coaches who I think would be fine with doing away with spring practice altogether. You have some that. They're fine with having it, but they're not taking a chance with anybody that's even a little bit banged up or has any kind of lingering issues. You've got some, like in Starkville this year, with a new staff where, I mean, it's complete installation. This is the first opportunity to be with your team in a football setting, you know, other than individual work. And then you've got Will Hall, who's established, and yes, there is installation stuff because of new coordinators, but the man just wants to milk every second he can out of every football opportunity that exists. He does, and you know specifically this spring that they've got to figure out the offensive line. You know, this is their some of the young offensive linemen that they have recruited. Um, you know, in their first recruiting class, you'll see those guys play significant minutes this year, and so he's got to. You know, spring has to be physical. You got to throw those guys in there. You got to try to figure out who's going to be. You know, in the war daddies up front. Um, because I mean, everybody knows it, including Will. This is make or break year for Will Hall at Southern Miss. Tate Rodemaker, um Any? I mean, I know that it's, it's two practices in, and there are no helmets and there are no pads and nothing. But is there anything that, that stands out? Anything that, as you watch this team practice throughout the spring, you want to see from him? You want to see leadership ability. You want to see, um, you know, how you, you feel like you will have the, the grasp of this offense, but you want to see how he responds to competition because there's four dudes and it's an, it's open competition. That was said day one. Um, of course, Wiles comes back, but, but Crawford's in there. John White's on campus and they're all getting reps. And uh, so you want to see how Rotomaker, you know, he's not given anything. He's coming in. Um, maybe a lot of people from the outside would say it's his job to lose, and there may be some truth to that. But, you know, how Ethan Crawford finished the season and uh, John White coming in. And, and so I'll, I'll be interested to see how Rotomaker, you know, how he responds when he's pushed. I'm really, really interested to see how it works out with John White as well. I mean, just such a decorated high school career, the all-time leading passer, in the state of Mississippi, that doesn't happen accidentally. You can be in a a pass friendly offense. You can be in an offense where, or, or on a team where maybe the competition is not the stiffest week in week out. 
But to throw for the number of yards that he did over the course of four years is it's remarkable to me and really going to be interested to see how that translates at Southern Miss. And when he was put against, you know, big time um, programs, like you look at what he did against Oak Grove, you know, and, and played really, against... really well. That's a good point. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think he is. Um, we said until Rotomaker got here, you know, this was the the best quarterback uh, prospect that had happened. Of course, he's a freshman, but at the same time, I would say freshman prospect. This is the best Southern Miss has had in, in maybe five or six years. Hey, let's talk some baseball for a couple of minutes before we wrap up. Uh, tough loss in a midweek game. Pretty good so far. Eight and two after the first two full weeks and lose a midweek game this week. So eight and three on the year with a pretty good Indiana State team coming into town this weekend. Yeah, you know, Nichols had only lost one game. They, they lost last week a midweek one run run game to Tulane. Um, Oz feels really good, you know, about that, that nickel state team. So, you know, some people might glance at it and he, he wouldn't, uh, say that they played horrible. It was really two times they got them. They got popped by, uh, for a three spot twice. One was in the top of the 10th. I taken away from that game. Southern Miss was down six, three going to the bottom of the 10th. They score two. They have the tying in winning run on base. Monastere, uh, strikes out at the plate to end the game. So, that's a game that I feel like Southern Miss will win in April or May. Uh, pitching kept them in the game. And one thing that continues to impress, like this pitching staff, man, it, it's wild deep. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy deep. Cole Boswell started the game, who was Meridian's ace the last three years at Meridian Community College. He's like 21 and four up there. Oz may have brought him out a little too early to get guys other, uh, you know, other, other innings and, and get guys other looks. But that's a guy who just started in a spot start and, and, um, yeah, with Armistead going to the bullpen and, I mean, we're going to the rotation and Sibley going to the bullpen, kind of Oz's, um, his options are, are almost limitless at this point for how he wants to shape the staff. I'm really interested to see what ultimately he does with Cross Sibley as well. Uh, you know, he told us on Monday that the reason he did what he did last Friday where he went to Sibley was because of kind of what the lineup looked. It was a strategic thing. It said it was something that he thought that he might do going into the game. But do you think Sibley's home is now back in the bullpen, or do you think it'll be kind of in and out? Or does it depend on how other guys pitch? Yeah, yeah. And because he has the starter potential, he has the course to eat up innings if you get in a situation where you need innings to be eaten. It is interesting right now early in the season to try to to try to try see Oz's managerial style versus Barry's managerial style. And I think that'll be interesting just to observe going forward because the lineup – really hasn't looked the same hitting-wise like every single game. There's a nuance. And Oz is one of those guys, pitching-wise, if you walk somebody, you're gone. And so you you kind of see that reflected, you know, in, in the guys that, that hit one game, they're in the lineup the next game. He set, he set Slade Wilkes in game three this past weekend, and Wilkes responded with a four-for-five uh, outing against Nichols. So Oz is not afraid to, to switch it up and, and switch it up big time if needed. What about this weekend with Indiana State coming in, a team that was a regional host a year ago? They were undefeated, you know, until Tuesday. Uh, Vandy hammered them pretty good, but, you know, they beat uh, UConn and beat Louisville early. And, uh, you know, they look just like they're reloaded. So it'll be interesting to see. The, the question right now is the Eagle offense. Um, they get people on base, but, I mean, they've left between 70 and 80 batters on base in, in, in the last week. And that's the key. If, if they can get runners in, uh, I think that will be what 
makes or breaks this team. If the Eagles lose, the first stat that you check on the page will be the runners left on base. Hmm. Yeah, you don't want to get in the habit of that being a double-digit number. Just nothing good about that. Nothing good comes from it. All right, Luke, thanks uh, as always for your time. Good catching up. Hope the uh, weather cooperates this weekend. Looks like it's going to warm back up and be okay. All right, guys, you have a great day. See you later. Luke Johnson, co-host of the Super Talk Eagle Hour, where they talk Southern Miss five days a week. You can check it out online at supertalk.fm and on a couple of our Super Talk Mississippi radio stations. We're back with you right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. To the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Glad to be with you this afternoon in the Pearl River Resort studio. The ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395, you've got your business and ceasefire has got your back. With best-in-class technology solutions powered by their team of 200-plus certified engineers, Visit cspire.com slash business to learn more. Cspire, customer inspired. On Friday, which is tomorrow, Brian Haydad. Yes. Tomorrow, 1st of March, Sports Talk Mississippi will be live at M-Trade Park to kick off the spring seasons of baseball, fast-pitch softball, and soccer. Nearly 150 teams will be in Oxford this weekend for U-Triple-S-A Baseball, for the full schedule of tournaments that are happening this spring, visit them online at mtradepark.com. And don't miss us tomorrow. Sports Talk Mississippi, live from Mtrade Park. If you're going to play, play Mtrade. Hey, we spent a fair amount of time yesterday talking spring football. Not so much in terms right. of storylines and, and whatever else, but kind of what I mentioned to Luke a second ago in the different ways that spring football can be approached. Lane Kiffin, they play a spring game because you're supposed to play a spring game. They do the practices. I don't think he's terribly worried about whether or not he gets 15. There are things that they want to try to accomplish. They don't push it at all with veterans or with injuries. Plenty of time off. Use that as a time to rest. Just continue to work out. But they know what can be done. Now they try to get some stuff out of young guys, try to see what they've got with new guys, and generally try to have fun with the spring game. 
But you talk about a different environment in Starkville this year. And, and I don't know that we know yet what Jeff Levy's philosophy as a head coach is for spring practice. And, and I don't know that we can know that based on what he does this year. But there is a lot of work to be done. They have to take this year's spring practice seriously. Absolutely. Yeah, especially you know, on the defensive side of the ball. Sorry. You know, when you think about state. I'm sorry. I'm struggling so bad, and I forgot to hit the cough button. My bad. That wasn't a cough as much as it was a snort. Is there a snort button? I don't know if there is or not. Um, defensively for state, it's not. I mean, I look at the offensive side of the ball. You've got a staff of guys who've worked together before. They should be able to come together and quickly install what they want. And then it just becomes a matter of teaching it. It's not that way on the defensive side of the ball. You've got guys who haven't worked together in the past, so they're they're coming together for a first-time coordinator um, with a ton of new players. You don't have a lot of veterans there, so everybody's learning on that side of the ball. So that there's a lot to there's a lot of work to do there. But then again, offensively, there's still work to do because this is the state's third offensive system in three years, and none of them have been really the same. You know, it hasn't been, well, they went from Mike Leach to a system where they just tweaked a couple of things, and now they're tweaking a couple of more. It was a full-on change from air raid to pro style, if, if that's what you want to call it. I guess they meant, like, you know, the, uh, the Panthers pro style. Um, and now they're going to, you know, Jeff Levy, uh, the, the, the veer and shoot, I believe, is the, the term that they, people like to use for this one. So three, three offenses that don't really have a whole ton in common, so... You're learning all over again. So your your original point is absolutely correct. Yes, Mississippi State will have to take spring practice very seriously. It will not be something they can just write off and say, eh, we just got to get through this healthy and get ready for the season. Trying to figure out what the new quarterback looks like also and, and start to build chemistry between Blake Shapin. I mean, I know we're making an assumption there, but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll keep making that assumption until proven otherwise. And a bunch of new receivers, some of which were playing high school football last year. Got a lot of new faces on that side of the ball that are going to contribute, for no, no doubt. And it starts, like you said, with Shapin there at the quarterback position. Um, you know, I, I think when you had Leach in, in, in as the head coach, you kind of you could set a stat line, like good or bad, you're going to throw for three thousand to four thousand yards, right? Levy's quarterbacks have kind of been that way as well. Maybe not to the four thousand yard mark, but you know you expect good or bad, they'll be somewhere between twenty eight hundred and thirty five hundred, something like that. You know, it's more about the next stat to look at would be touchdowns and interceptions, and that sort of tells you the tale of the season. So, yeah, for Shapen, he's he's got. I think he's got the inside track, being the veteran, being the guy who's a little bit more proven. But I think Chris Parson is very talented. I laugh every time I get to refer to him as first-team SEC freshman all-quarterback, or fresh, all-freshman quarterback Chris Parson. That's one of the funniest things possible. He threw five passes. Um, but I, I think he's a talented guy. He's got great athleticism. He showed you a flash here or there in the limited playing time uh, that he got. So there'll be a there'll be a real battle for it, you know. Parson can win this job, but I do think Shapen as we as we go into the spring is the odds-on favorite. Borgie, what about with Ole Miss? 
Veteran quarterback returning. Veteran quarterback returning, although we'll get a look at the young guys. Veteran receiving group, although new pieces. New pieces, but still, it's I mean, it's it's Harris and Watkins, and then you know, can Wells acclimate? You're returning your tight end. It's it's line play. I mean, you are possibly having an entirely new starting five on the offensive line. Unlikely, but possible. Certainly. Three or four of them are going to start. You need them to. I mm-hmm. mean, you, you've got both uh, Washington transfers and, and pounds at left tackle, almost guaranteed. Uh, Michael Pettis coming off of an injury. I, I don't foresee him being available for spring. So you're, you're going to have new faces on the entire offensive line unless Michael Pettis is, is available to, to practice after that injury that ended last season. So it's that, and then it's your first look at Walter Nolan. Your first look at Uman Mielin. There are some mock draft guys that have Walter Nolan in the top ten for next year when he's eligible to to come out. So does he look like a top ten guy? What is that? That that would be a pleasant development for the Ole Miss coaching staff. Yeah. What, hey, Dan? He's eligible to come out this year. He's true mm-hmm. junior. Then that would mean at the end of the year so he's next year's to draft. Come out, yeah, next okay. we haven't okay. had a draft yet. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you say hey, next year's like, draft, I'm thinking no, he is not allowed draft. to stay for two years. Yeah, stop it. We, we we haven't had a draft in 2024, so next year's draft. Yeah, you be, know, but you get what I'm saying. Be 2025. So yeah, defensively, they they don't return near as much as they do offensively. Now they've they've portaled well, and everybody's talking about the portal class, but there still is the acclimation, right? It's these are new guys. These are new faces. They have to get the system. And, and they have to acclimate within the locker room. I mean, remember this time last year, everybody was talking about how great Chris Marshall was going to be. They didn't even play for him. Got kicked off the team before the season even began, and then Trey Harris was the guy that everybody thought Chris Marshall was going to be. So the, the, a lot of high-quality defensive players via transfer portal, but uh, there's still the, you know, will they learn the system and mesh and acclimate? So that's something to, to really keep an eye on. Chris Paul Jr., Oman Mielin, Walter Nolan, Trey Amos, basically their entire secondary. You know, are they? do they look the part? I'm really curious to see that. Chris Marshall now at Boise State? I don't blame them for that. Take the flyer. You, you don't get guys that talented otherwise. I mean, you, you saw enough in the spring game a, a year ago to see the level of talent that was there. Now, the rest of the stuff, yeah, not so much. That's a problem. I mean, clearly it was a problem having him on your team. And Ole Miss took a bit of a risk on that. They did. Man, you were on the call for that, and you had Lane Kiffin uh, mic'd up, and you were interviewing him during the game where, I mean, what a stunning indictment this was on uh, on Jimbo Fisher at the time. People kind of laughed at it as a one-off, but uh, a touchdown was scored, not by Chris Marshall, but his offense scored a touchdown. And Kiffin notices that the other 10 guys on the team celebrated together, and Marshall just went to the sideline. He was like, that, that's something that we have to teach him, that when your teammates score, that's good too. That was a sign, as it turns out, of a cultural or whatever issue there at the time. People had kind of laughed at, oh, just Kiffin being Kiffin, but clearly that was some frustration with a guy that did not buy in and 
you know, gets in trouble off the field, and that's it. See ya. Yeah, it was easy to kind of laugh that off in real time. And, you know, maybe sometimes we make mountains out of molehills when there's no real necessity. But maybe we should have read into that a little bit. You still thought he was going to figure out a way to get it together on the football field. You just didn't know that he was going to be a train wreck off the field and in the locker room. So hopefully it works out for him at Boise State. Sports Talk Mississippi, we're back with you after this. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Top of the seventh inning in Starkville, Mississippi State leading 5-1 to one over the Mount. That's what their jerseys say. The Mount. Mount St. Mary's. Hey, Dad, Nate Dobbs has been really good again today. He's sitting on 71 pitches with one out in the top of the seventh. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, six and a third, seven strikeouts, only four hits, only the one run. Hasn't walked anybody either. That, that has been such a, 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 a blessing for Mississippi State this year. Even, though, even as, as they've struggled. Uh, the fact that they haven't really been putting a lot of guys on base for free, at least you feel like they're earning it. You know, Dom on the season now, 21 Ks to only three uh, three walks. He did just give up a, a single, so my guess is his day is probably getting pretty close to done. A little bloop out into shallow right field. I mean, it was one of those. It was not a terrible pitch. It was down and away and just like stick the bat out. Well, excuse me. Poke it. Texas leaguer. Um, so the camo hat's a thing on – Game one of weekend series every week is that how we're doing? It? I don't I don't know, but they're not very popular. They were great the first week when you're doing the salute to the military and all that. But I, the last couple, last week and again this week, my mentions are a lot of where are the maroon hats? So oh, are they wearing them every game, not just one game? No, they they they. I, I think they've worn them more multiple games. Yeah. Mm. Um. Where's the patriotism, man? <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, I mean, other countries wear camouflage. Yeah, it's not just nearly an American thing. Yeah. The Russian army wears camouflage. Not in uh, not in sporting events. They don't. I don't know that for a fact. I do. I, don't, I I've can't. Checked. I can't. I can't verify that. You've you've done the research. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know. When's the last time you watched a Russian college football team with camouflage jerseys? I rest my case, okay? Uh, I rest my case. 2017? Yeah. Moscow State uh, against uh, Kiev Tech. Great game. What is is this from Mike in Columbus? Is the BHP starting this weekend? Oh, both-handed pitchers. Durangelo. Durangelo. Yeah, he's starting Sunday. Yes. Okay. Saturday. Yeah, I was about to say that that would be Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Come on, hey Dad. Look alive. Q Burdett, Quintavious Burdett, former Ole Miss football player. Participant on Survivor. You've been following that, Borky? No, I don't watch stuff like that. But 
Uh, isn't he like a real estate mogul in Memphis? Didn't isn't that what he ended up doing? Whoa, 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 whoa. I feel like you just talked down to a lot of people who might like Survivor. Oh, uh, to each your own. Hey, I, Borky, I, hey, you I, keeping up with this? <laughs> I don't watch stuff like that. I, hey, I watch the NBA, so I, to each their own. Uh, I almost did pull a Mike Francesa though. Uh, I mean, have you heard that call? Guy calls in. Uh, after the creator of Marvel, Stan Lee, when Stan Lee dies, guy calls into the Mike Francesa show. Hey, Mike, Stan Lee died today. Uh, did you ever meet him? What do you think of him? Mike goes, who? Guy said, Stan Lee. Mike's like, Stan Lee? I don't know who Stan Lee is. The guy that created Marvel, Marvel Comics. And Mike goes, oh, who cares? And then hangs up on the call. <laughs> that's, that's, uh... That's pretty classic. Uh, that's just Francesca in a nutshell. But no, I, I have not kept up with Survivor. That is not in my genre of uh, of television watching. But I, I did know that he was on it. Isn't I, I swear he's the one that is like some like high dollar real estate guy in Memphis now too. So he's doing well for himself. If that's the case, I will uh, I will trust you on that. Those reality TV show people, they get paid a good bit for being on there, too. its uh, They're not doing that for free. Lucas and Union has an updated question for Haydad that we did not cover at the beginning of the show today. How cool was it seeing Sting come down from the rafters? I, I've been kind of lucky these past few weeks. I've had some moments where I made me feel young. Just, just some random Moments in my life where I was just like, man, you know, brought me back to some some childhood or or young adult memories. That was one to see him, and I thought that was something that would never happen again after what happened with Owen Hart all those years ago. I thought they were just like, ah, we can't can't risk it. I guess yeah. they were really really secure in the safety of it all. And if I took a video of it, and you can hear me saying, please don't die. I, I was just I was just so nervous that something something terrible was going to happen, but. That being said, it was awesome, and I got to feel like a uh, a twenty year old uh, all over again. So it was cool. Did it remind you of the days when Ole Miss had the mascot repel from the rafters in the uh, the the previous home for well, Ole Miss basketball? When I tell you that that memory was not even in my brain at the moment, no, it did not. Did you not look to the ceiling wondering if? Paper mache streamers were going to uh, unfurl. If, if Colonel Reb was going to come out of this, the the if Colonel Reb had come out, I'd have been like, I need my a refund. I'm out. I'm, I'm out of here. I don't think he's still alive. Actually, I think he's. I'm sure that one his... guy still has the suit. I, didn't you know? I hadn't seen that in a while either. Yeah. Well, then, thank God for that. Isn't that the truth? Um. All right, Borky. This story from the NFL, people um, people coined it Wakey Leaks years ago when you had the, uh, oh, was it the radio broadcaster? The, the color analyst on the radio mm-hmm. broadcast that leaked game plan information to Wake Forest opponents. Big deal. You're telling us we've got this in the NFL now? Possibly. So uh, the Jets are suspecting their former wide receiver. Uh, I don't think that worked either. Yeah, sorry, I hit the wrong button. My bad. Uh, I mean, (laughs) 
Is there a rhino in the studio? Not not the one that normally works here either. That was a Clydesdale. An actual rhinoceros. I want to feel better so bad. I'm so tired of being hoarse. I just let one rip cross my gosh. And have, having drainage and sore throat and feeling like I need to blow my nose. And ah, somebody you going to wear a mask tomorrow? Please. No. Please wear a mask. Somebody's starting up a Harley in here. <laughs> Sorry, I was just clearing my throat. <laughs> not the uh, DJ. Uh, oh, who does? I can't remember his name. DJ Quick? That's not right. DJ who? Cool? Let me clear my throat. Who is that? No idea what you're talking about. You do know let me clear my throat. They play it at every sporting event imaginable. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, Miko Hardman, uh, as you know, was with the Jets and was very disappointed about his uh, playing time and his usage and did not like it. And Sauce Gardner and former Ole Miss tight end Kenny Oboa, who's with the Jets, have both taken to social media. And apparently the organization internally believes as well that Miko Hardman uh, leaked the team's offensive game plans before the Jets played the Eagles and the Chiefs this year. Now, there are some Chiefs people that are saying, well, Zach Wilson played his best game against Kansas City. Uh, not until after they got down to a 17 to nothing uh, deficit, played terrible early, scrapped all of the game plan, reset, and then started playing well. And remember, they traded him to the Chiefs. As I say, when did he go to Kansas City? He went to Kansas City after that they, game. Uh, yep. Well, if that's true, he sucks. Mm-hmm. I mean. If you are playing on a team and you share your team's game plan with your opponent, I mean, that's way worse than a radio announcer sharing practice observations or a game plan. It's one of the actual players. That's something that, you know, if, if he gets proven, he's going to be out of the league probably permanently. Does he just get blackballed? Or do you think he yeah. is suspended by the NFL? Well, there'll be a suspension, and then there'll be a blackball after that. And he was kind of important for the Chiefs. Good, good player. Yeah. But that's dumb. Hope it's not true. So we'll lay the groundwork for this, and we will pick the conversation up when we uh, when we come back. Actually, we're going to switch gears. We're going to make this. Sorry. When we come back, we'll take a look at the order of appearance at SEC Media Days. We know when we will see Ole Miss. We know when we will see Mississippi State and the other 14 teams in the SEC. We'll take a peek at that coming up next in the Pearl River Resort Studio.
Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Do you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Wrapping up the 4 o'clock hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. The reason I was stumbling through that a second ago was I was trying to decide on the fly which one of these stories was better for the college football fix, and I thought that we would want to talk longer about the college football playoff format and how many teams that's going to be than who's going to show up when in Dallas. If you missed that, SEC Media Days, July 15th through the 18th. That's July Monday, July 15th through Thursday, July 18th in Dallas this year. It may be one of the busiest weeks in Dallas in a long time. Not so much because of Media Days. That's a big deal for us. But also hosting the All-Star Game. And so on the Monday night that we start Media Days, you get the Home Run Derby. On the Tuesday night that we are at Media Days, you have the All-Star Game. So, a lot going on that weekend in Dallas. So we will, I assume, I don't know how they're going to do it this year, guys. So normally, in the past, we've had the commissioner start things off with his address at about lunchtime on the first day. And then we roll into two or three teams that are rolling through, uh, coming through in the afternoon. But they've got four teams each of the four days with now a 16-team league. So I don't know what it's going to be like, but it'll, it'll, we'll figure it out. Monday, July 15th, LSU, Brian Kelly. Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin. South Carolina with Shane Bieber. Vanderbilt with Clark Lee. So that's the first day of media days. Day two, Kirby, Eli, or Eliah, Brent Venables, and Josh Heupel. Day three, Kalen DeBoer, Billy Napier, Mississippi State's Jeff Levy, and Steve Sarkeesian from Texas. And the way they've got those laid out, well, I don't know. It's alphabetical, so that may not be the case. I don't know if that means Bama and Florida in the morning, State and Texas in the afternoon. We don't have the actual schedule yet. We just know which teams will be which day. Last day, Sam Pittman from Arkansas, Hugh Freeze, Mark Stoops at Kentucky, Mike Elko, Texas A&M. This will be the first year, maybe ever, where everybody will be locked into the commissioner's address. Usually it's really wordy and long, and people just kind of, have whatever. I mean, with the thing that we're going to talk about here in a few minutes happening, he's going to have either a lot to say or there's going to be a lot asked of him pertaining to the future of college football, and I mean that without an ounce of hyperbole. You're, you're completely right. And my guess is... And this is just a guess. 
is that there are some conversations that are going on internally at the SEC office about, all right, we, we know how that week works for Greg Sankey. He's going to do a half hour, a 45-minute address, and then take questions following it. And then he's going to do 20 to 30 radio interviews over the next three days. And he's going to be asked a lot of the same questions. Now, Greg Sankey can stay on talking points like few people on planet Earth. And he can stay on message. But his predecessor, Mike Slive, used that kind of state of the SEC address as an opportunity to tell people what was going, to pull out what was coming, pull out his crystal ball. He made some bold predictions. He made some bold proclamations. And then those things generally came to fruition. Greg Sankey has made some big statements and he has announced some things, but they're like league initiatives. He's never had an address. That's a good point, Borky, that will be as scrutinized as the one that he's going to offer in July. And, I mean, I wouldn't think that it would be crazy to think that they're already strategizing a little bit as to how they will use that opportunity. And I don't know the date of the Big Ten media days. Tony Petiti's run through the Big Ten media day will be will be comparable. Because everybody's going to be looking to see what those two guys say. Because they're the two biggest voices in the room. They're the two most powerful voices in the room. And those two guys, as representatives of their leagues, are probably the two most powerful people in all of college athletics. And there's no hyperbole there at all. In fact, that may be the Captain Obvious statement of the day. Sports Talk Mississippi. Supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and your local Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. 5 o'clock hour, college football fix, coming up next. That work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. hour on this Thursday alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky. I'm Richard Cross. We are glad to be with you in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. i just tell you, I got, I got golf fever right now. I was able to play three, four times, I think three times in January. Maybe maybe twice in January and then three times in February. So I feel like I'm kind of ahead of the pace from a year ago. Snuck out here in Jackson, able to get nine in 
uh, before I came to the studio today. Cannot wait to get to Dancing Rabbit here in a couple of weeks for the uh, NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament on Thursday and Friday and try to sneak over and play a little golf at Dancing Rabbit. You can do the exact same thing. All you got to do is go to DancingRabbitGolf.com, DancingRabbitGolf.com. And, oh, by the way, if you happen to be going to the sports book, you bet $50, and uh, you can play golf at Dancing Rabbit for just 30 bucks. Bet 50 play 30 great deal all the way around. And I, I always say, you got a chance to win that bet, in which case you're playing golf for free and putting a little money in your pocket when it's all said and done. Dancing Rabbit Golf, DancingRabbitGolf.com, part of Pearl River Resort. C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Help your business out. Give your business the edge. Take advantage of C Spire's business services. Sure, they've got the um, gigabit fiber internet for your business, blazing fast. They've also got an engineering team of over 200 members who are right here in Mississippi that will help you with all of your IT solutions, whether that's managing your email or your entire suite of Microsoft products or it's router management services or data storage services, stuff that we don't even know how it happens, they do. And it's the stuff that you have to have if you're a business, large or small, let the uh, business services team at Seaspire take care of you. Learn more at cspire.com slash business, cspire.com slash business. There it is. College football fix. Driven by Ford. How many years, say, Dad? How many? 47. 47 years as number one. I mean, it felt like that with Alabama football, but it wasn't anywhere close to that. Almost five decades. Number one, F-Series, best-selling trucks in America. Test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. Three plus three plus two plus two plus one plus three. Simple, right? I'll give you the answer. That equals 14. And that is the formula that is being bandied about by the the powers on high for college football. Three plus three plus two plus two plus one plus three. What does that mean? Three automatic qualifying spots for the SEC and for the Big Ten. Two automatic qualifying spots for the ACC and the Big 12. One automatic qualifying spot for everybody else. Well, that's not, that's not right. For the group of five. And three at-large spots. Discuss among yourselves. I mean, it's dumb. It's very dumb. And for for this reason in particular, by the way, so if we had that proposal in 2019... Hold on, let me interrupt you for a second, because I, I think I need both of you to clarify. What about it is dumb? From what perspective is it dumb? Is it dumb for fans? Is it dumb for conferences? 
Is it dumb for bank accounts? Is it dumb? So, so all of the above minus the bank accounts. Yeah, the bank accounts will do great, which is what everybody cares about. The people in power care about. But this many automatic bids is dumb. It, you're going to put teams in. I mean, never mind. We talk about devaluing the regular season. I mean, the top three in the SEC, that, that's not year in, year out. You can't guarantee that. You can't certainly can't guarantee it in the Big Ten. It, it's just it, the, the college football playoffs should be about finding the best team. And to do that, you just got to look at the best teams. Now, the thing is, most years it would probably pan out that way, right? Most team years, yeah, okay. You know, Georgia, Texas, Alabama, in. Uh, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, in. Florida State and maybe Clemson, in. But you can't just say, oh, yeah, that before we even get started, that they're in. You can't have that. In 2019, if, if this playoff format existed in 2019, because the ACC would get two automatic bids, Virginia would have been the second ACC team. They would have just been coming off of a 62 to 17 loss in the ACC championship game. Alabama, Michigan, and Notre Dame would not have made it. But 24th ranked Virginia coming off of a 62 to 17 loss would have. Wait, hold on a second. Who played in the SEC championship game in 2019? LSU and uh, Georgia. Okay. LSU won the national title. Who would have been the third team from the SEC? Give me a second here. Give me a second. No, no, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just you, I'm curious if we're you, up in arms about it. I only had this stat. You guys are, uh, it would have been Florida. 11 and 2 Alabama would not have made it. Really? Florida? What were the, okay. And, Florida being and then are we sure that Alabama would not have gotten one of the three at large spots? Dep- based on the rankings, yeah. Where was Alabama ranked? They were behind Auburn, too. So there were four SEC teams behind Well, then maybe Auburn, they didn't deserve Auburn, to Auburn. be there. But over. But, I mean, I agree. But we're talking about Virginia, 24th ranked Virginia. Yeah, okay. I'm just, this 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 gonna sound funny coming from me. If the SEC has three at large spots, I'm sorry, three automatic qualifiers, and picks up one or two of the at large spots, I'm not sad for Alabama or anybody that falls into the category of Alabama in a given year not getting in because somebody that I don't like or don't think was deserving enough in another conference doesn't get in. I have zero sadness about that. None. I, and that that's certainly valid, but do we really want to see a Virginia team that gets beat 62-17 to 17 in the ACC championship game? What they ranked do the rest 24? of the season? They were ranked 24th. They weren't good. They just had to have two ACC teams that year. Virginia, uh, let me find it. They were 9-5 and five overall. But because mean, they were the yeah, ACC that, second no, that team, means they, they were nine and three, and they lost in the championship game, and they lost their bowl game. Yeah, they lost so, in the Orange Bowl to Florida. So, so that's not nearly as egregious. But they don't belong 
that team doesn't belong. They they just simply don't. So so in this model, three automatic qualifiers from the SEC. Why would the SEC agree? Well, okay, so apparently the SEC and the Big Ten did float this. We get four automatic spots. And everybody was like, come on, guys. Come on. Nobody's agreeing to that. And they're like, okay. What can we agree to? And as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the SEC knew they weren't getting four spots in a 14-team playoff. They knew that. But... Throw it out big, and now let's negotiate. So what do they negotiate? What if we get three automatic spots? And the Big Ten does too. How do we get the ACC and the Big 12 on board? Let's guarantee them two teams every year. Because if we go with every league just gets one, and then everything else is at large, hey ACC, hey Big 12, are you sure you're getting an SEC, a second team in? Are you sure the second team from your conference is going to be ranked higher when we start handing it large bids than the fifth or sixth best team in the SEC or the Big Ten? You sure? And so the ACC and the Big 12 go, hold on. This guarantees us two every year? Okay. The group of five is going to take whatever it can get. If Notre Dame is in the top 14, they are guaranteed one of the three at-large spots. might tell Notre Dame it's probably time for you to join a league. That's some pretty significant preferential treatment. We'll pick this conversation up next. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi. All right, I think I did this right. If we take last year's rankings with this year's conference makeup, okay, so so 16-team SEC, 16-team Big Ten, or they have 18, lost track. They've got 18 now. Current makeup of the Big 12, like going into this coming season, same thing with the ACC. Michigan, Washington, Ohio State are your three AQs from the Big Ten. From the SEC, Texas, Alabama, Georgia. From the Big 12... Arizona, who was ranked number 14, and Oklahoma State, who was 20th. From the ACC, Florida State, 
Louisville. You've still got Liberty in that group of five spot. And then you're three at large. Oregon, Missouri, Penn State. Notre Dame does not take one of those spots because they were ranked 16th in the final college football playoff ranking. So, in this scenario, Ole Miss is on the outside looking in. Whereas if we had had a 12-team playoff with the four automatics plus the group of five and then seven at-large berths, Ole Miss would have been in the playoff. Well, we talked about that ad nauseum. Hey, Dad, just shut up maybe and I'm, keep moving with the exercise. I, yeah, maybe, now you're a believer. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe, maybe it is a good idea. I don't know. So it's stupid. Uh, I I think that giving the Big Twelve and the ACC multiple automatic bursts into the playoff is a bad idea. Even if it's one fewer than the SEC, the leagues are not anywhere remotely close to the same. They're not anywhere close. The SEC should get three times more than that of the Big Twelve on an annual (sighs) basis. If you're actually measuring the leagues based on quality of teams on an annual basis. The reason that the NFL does an automatic qualifier for every division to get one team is because the NFL itself, the whole NFL is the product. And that keeps every, not every team, but almost every team engaged up until the final week. That's why they do that. It's strictly for money. But the divisions in the NFL are generally created equal. You have some that are better than others, but you saw what Tampa did in the playoffs this year. Like They're all really balanced, so that makes sense. The SEC and the ACC are so totally different when it comes to the quality of the leagues. So I think it's a bad idea from that perspective. But everybody's missing the point, I think. And Heather Dennett just kind of put this as a one-off in her article about this. This is the biggest part of the story, and nobody's talking about it. Everybody's bickering about well, it should be 12. It should be 8. Barrett Salee's like, let's go back to the BCS where undefeated Auburn doesn't Jeez, make the championship game. Stop. You know, you've got all of that stuff. But as just a one-off in ESPN, and this has been written by others now at this point, but she says, quote, the SEC and Big Ten are having conversations about whether to continue their NCAA membership. All of this stuff about automatic bids and flexing muscle, call me crazy. It's posturing. This this is not serious. Because they're going to blow it up anyway when they leave the NCAA in the near future. They're doing this to flex their muscle, to show everybody who they are. They're posturing, and then they're going to bolt from the NCAA and create their own thing two years from now anyway. And she just writes this as a one-off. It's been hinted at for years, but this is the premier college football playoff reporter on the worldwide leader in sports straight up saying the SEC and the Big Ten are in discussions to leave the NCAA. That's the story here. Hey, Dad, do you want to see that happen? I'm sorry for dead silence, but I actually really need to think on that. Um, That's fine. Dead air's fine. 
no. No. I would tell you, is because I'm just an old man and I'm crotchety and stuck in my ways, uh, that I think we've gone too far with the expansion. I mean, I hate losing the Pac-12. You know, there was enough money going around. It, d- it didn't have to be this way. You know, somebody has to be less in, in, in almost everything, right? You know, the SEC and the Big Ten are the best two conferences. You can't get their money, Pac-12. So, you know, if you can get $25 million, that you can live on $25 million. Nobody's Nobody's going to go out of business on that. So, no, I don't like it. I don't like that idea. I like college football to be that kind of way it is now. I won't quit it. I mean, if that's what we've got two years from now, three years from now. Oh, I won't quit it. I'll, I'll be there. Be on here. We'll be there. So, in terms of the negotiation, Borky, you said a second ago, flexing their muscle, posturing, posturing. And maybe that's right. Is this like a bird in hand versus bird in bush deal for the SEC and the Big Ten? We can guarantee ourselves three teams. Guaranteed. There's a chance for more, but we are guaranteed three. In this story at ESPN.com, sources told ESPN that discussions have centered around the SEC and Big Ten earning somewhere between 25 and 30% of the college football playoff revenue. The ACC and Big 12 would be next. They'd somewhere be somewhere in the 15 to 20% range, which leaves a smaller chunk, somewhere around 6 to 10% for the other leagues and nearly 1% for Notre Dame. So they are guaranteeing themselves revenue. Why not? negotiate a deal where you guarantee the revenue, but then you leave the teams to chance. If 14 is the number, what if we just go with five automatics? Every conference gets one, power, a group of five gets one, whatever they are now. And now we've got nine at large spots. Because in that scenario... Porky, you've got the, I mean, with the exception of the group of five teams some seasons, you got the 14 best teams in the college football playoff. Yeah. Much more easy to digest, for sure. I just don't think, frankly, I don't think we're going to see the day. I think we've got two years of the 12-team playoff, and by the time that ends, whatever they agree to in the present will not matter because they're going to blow it up and and everything gets to be renegotiated at that time. What's the purpose of blowing it up at this point? Self-governance. But the NCAA has already said, yeah, you can have that. Why not just self-govern within the existing NCAA model? Well, stack the deck against everybody else, which is what they're going to have the power to do. Stick with the college football playoff. Here's the benefit. So the NCAA's current model, you cannot have rules. That's what a court in Tennessee just said. You can't. You cannot have rules. If you want to restrict player pay, sorry. If you want to restrict transfer portal, sorry. Can't do it. So what a breakaway can do 
is avoid antitrust issues and allow you to separate football, and if you want to, men's basketball, from the rest of the sports, treat them like employees, like like they want, and have rules that you can actually enforce. Limit transfers, caps, whatever the case may be. Because the American justice system has said the NCAA cannot enforce its rules anymore. Can't do it. You cannot have rules. You cannot enforce them. And that's not an exaggeration. That's what the court ruling in Tennessee said last week. They may appeal it up the ladder. I think the NCAA is tired of appealing because every time they go before the Supreme Court, they lose. They lose. So maybe that's really the crux of this. But quite literally, the judge's ruling in Tennessee this past week said, you are not allowed to enforce your own rules. Yep. Which means there are no rules and you can kind of do whatever you want to do. sad honestly it, it college is. athletics has been really cool for a really long time we'll be back right after this i can't believe what i'm hearing this is sports talk mississippi right here on super talk mississippi Again, there's somebody on here on the text line that's complaining about hypotheticals. It's a sports talk radio show. It's a Thursday. We're closing in on spring football. We spent all day yesterday talking about Mississippi State basketball. Ole Miss lost last night. Game wasn't that interesting. Talked about it for a while. We've kept you up to date with what's going on in college baseball. There's not a lot of football news right now. As opposed to, say, you're dealing in hypotheticals, you might say you're thinking. You're thinking about what the possibilities could be. Are those hypotheticals? Yeah, I guess so. But we're trying to figure out what it might look like. What is a scenario that could work? So, quickly, if you took This coming year's conference breakdown with last year's playoff rankings. And I know that doesn't work exactly because you got different teams in different leagues this coming year. But just humor me on that. Michigan's your one seed overall. Texas is two. Florida State is three. Arizona is number four. Because remember, you have to be a conference champion to get one of the top four seeds. Unless we say now you've only got to, you've got to be a conference champion to be one of the top two seeds, because those are the only two that are getting buys, which I guess is what you would do. Hey, Dad, what does it look like though if Borky's right? If and, and and like there are lots of questions. 
One question is, are you breaking away in all sports? Like if you're say, we are going away from the NCAA, is that all sports? Or does the you're leaving the big dance and all that money behind? That seems unlikely. Oh no, 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 no. I got a solution for that. I, I got a solution right. for that. My question is, are you just doing Is it just college football and men's basketball? Is it just the two revenue producing sports? And you leave everything else under the NCAA banner because otherwise you have no reason to have it? Perhaps. Hmm. I don't know. Well, I want to hear your solution for the big dance, though. Let's assume football and men's basketball are leaving. And the rationale behind that is those two sports can now pay what they need to pay and set up rules and protect themselves in terms of transfers and salary caps and all of those things. The sports that make money on campuses, generally speaking, all of the other ones, generally speaking, don't make money and lose by the millions. You have these small handful of baseball programs that don't lose. Iowa women's basketball is making money this year, but generally speaking, every other program on a campus loses money by the seven figures. So my question is first, how many teams? Right now you get or, or next year you'll have 16 in the SEC and 18 in the Big Ten. You know those 34 are in. You know Notre Dame is in, so that's 35. Do you have teams that are going to bail on the ACC and bail on the Big 12? They're going to leave the NCAA model and come and join this? My assumption is yes. All of them? I don't know. I don't know that you invite all of them. That stinks for a couple. Right? I mean, we've already seen it. It stinks for Washington State. It stinks for Oregon State. They just got left behind. They were told, we don't need you anymore. The SEC will protect its own. Vanderbilt will be protected. Northwestern will be protected by the Big Ten. So do you get, if you're at 35, do you get to 64? It's a nice round number for seedings and whatever. So, you know, say you get to 64. Do whatever you want to do with football or with the playoff. I mean, you're going you're gonna to build the schedule and whoever's getting into the postseason, whether it's two from each division or four from each division, however we want to do it. But the basketball thing's interesting. All right, hey, Dad, so let's say we got 64. So we've got six, four 16-team divisions, conferences, pods, whatever you want to call them as part of this mm-hmm. organization. So, we're going to take the top two from each division, and they're in. And then we're going to take the next four from each of those 16 teams, and they're going to have to play their way in so that you get to a a 16-team field. I don't like that. That was too many. I don't either. No, 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 no. Borky and I talked through this a second ago during the break. You want eight, to, I'm sorry, you want eight total for this tournament scenario. So you take your number one team from each, and then you take the next two teams, and they play a best two of three to get in the tournament. So you got eight teams up there. 
And then you play best two out of... I mean, it's the playoffs then. It's not a tournament with a bracket. It's playoffs where you do best two out of three, where you're home and away and then home to the higher seed, and then you take the final four to a neutral site. I don't know. I liked how I talked through it better in the break. This doesn't work for me now. Doesn't work for me at all. No. The beauty, all, all, all the thing I love about the NCAA tournament is gone. And now I'm just watching another conference tournament, basically. No, you're no, watching a not, professional not, playoffs. Yeah, yeah, call it what you want, but yeah, it, it's not it's not the NCAA tournament anymore. Yeah, but Humphrey Coliseum hosting playoff basketball? Yeah, see, I like the concept of like a three-game series where the higher seed gets a home, a home road home. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure they'll be still nuts. But you asked, do I like it? I don't. Okay. That, but that's where this is headed. I want to see Vermont beat, you know, Houston. Yeah. I want to see, you know, UNC Greensboro beat Purdue. That's what I want. That's the NCAA tournament to me. Somebody you know, says I know you the lose big teams them. always end up easy up winning it, but I mean, then last year, I guess. I mean, UConn's a big team, but the Final Four was was kind of had some small schools, but. Those for the first first weekend with the upsets is what that's the NCAA tournament to me. That's the, the beauty of it. There's no denying that in whatever this shift looks like, we're going to lose some of the beauty of college sports. There's no doubt. There's absolutely no doubt. We're going to lose the beauty that Borky has proclaimed for years and years of Furman and the majesty of watching FCS football. Although maybe FCS football can continue to exist. We're going to lose the beauty of Tom Brennan's Vermont team going to the Sweet 16. Yep. And of George Mason getting to the Final Four and Wichita State getting to the Final Four. Yeah. You are going to lose that. St. Peter's, man. Just happened. Yes. St. Peter's going to the Elite Yeah. You don't have you don't have my interest for this basketball tournament you've concocted. But once it's the only it, thing going, it will. I guess. So you're telling me on a Tuesday night when you've got four college basketball games going on that are home site games, trying mm-hmm. to get to the Final Four tournament, you're you're not interested. Is you're Mississippi not fascinated? State involved? Is Mississippi State involved in those games? I don't know. Maybe maybe some years. The, the years they are. Yeah, I'm interested. I'm what are you going to do? Sit at home and watch AEW or play FIFA the other nights? Yeah. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Sometimes I wonder if you even like sports. I love sports, but what you just described is just boring. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I can just watch the regular season, and, and it's the same thing. You're just giving me more regular season games. What if you take a Major League Baseball-style playoffs and apply it to college baseball? Hey, I no? Know. I mean, not, not, a lot of, not a lot of small schools doing great things in college baseball but because of the, way the, the format of the tournament, because you got to win. It's not just winning one game. You know, you see a lot of times the four seed will come in and beat the one, but do they have the pitching to get through the whole regional? Very rarely. What, what if what if you take college baseball with 64 teams? I've, ne- I've realized that now I've pulled college baseball into this. And you start the postseason at the super regional round. But then 
You don't take eight to Omaha. You do the two out of three, two out of three, two out of three, three out of five for the national championship. I don't know. Dude, you love Super. You have talked to me about the magic of Super Regional Baseball in Starkville. Yeah, but I like having the regionals, too. I like having all those other teams come in. That regionals are boring. I mean, they're fun. But let's not pretend like there's the same level of, uh, like, energy and anticipation for a regional as there is for a super regional. Is that the word you want? Yeah. Super regionals take it to a different level. Mm. All right. What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi, on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, Dad, if you were in the market to uh, go out and get a new vehicle... Where do you think you would go to do that? Ooh. Well, you know, I'm going to be in Oxford tomorrow. Ooh. So perhaps I should make the stop by Belk Ford and, and see the fine folks there. And I, I will I will tell them. They will know that I, I heard about them on Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, why, why would you go to Belk Ford or Oxford Toyota for that matter? Well, for two reasons. One, I want to find the best deal. And two, I want to be treated like I want to be treated. I don't want to show up and be haggled. I don't want to show up and be sped through the process. I want to show up and be shown the car that I want to look at, given a reasonable price, given reasonable financing, and drive off that lot, satisfied that not only did I get a good deal, but I made a relationship that I'm going to come back to the next time I need a car. Do you like the idea that there's a great selection on the lot of both new and used vehicles? No, I don't like that idea. I love that idea. Belk Ford, Oxford Toyota. Tell them where, hey, Dad. Where are are they located? Highway 6, up there in uh, Oxford Town. Highway 6 West in Oxford, online. BelkFord.net, OxfordToyota.com. We didn't rehearse that, by the way. Well done. No, that was just us vibing, as the kids say. Hey, Dad said vibing. As the kids say. Mm-hmm. Is it I'm wrong hip- to feel sorry for Jerry Jones? Yes, always. The owner of the Cowboys? Yeah, it doesn't matter what you're about to say. Literally does not matter. He grew a third eye. Well, I don't feel sorry for him. A judge has upheld a decision requiring Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, 81 years old, by the way, to take a paternity test. Oh, gosh. As part of a legal... De- uh, have you changed your opinion at all? I haven't, but no. As part of a legal dispute with a 27-year-old money grubber... I'm sorry, 27-year-old woman who says the billionaire is her biological father. On Wednesday, a Texas judge rejected an appeal from Jones of a 2022 ruling in a paternity uh, case yeah. brought by Alexander Davis who previously alleged in a separate lawsuit that she was conceived from a relationships that Jones had with her mother 
in the mid-1990s. Attorneys for Jerry Jones are challenging the constitutionality of the Texas law that would compel genetic testing. In March of 2022, Alexander Davis sued Jerry Jones in Dallas County. She asked her judge to void a legal agreement that she said that her mother had reached with Jones two years after she, Alexandra, was born. The 1998 settlement allegedly said that Jones would support them financially as long as they didn't publicly say that he was the father of Alexandra. Now, Jerry Jones has denied that this arrangement existed. Davis later dropped the case, saying instead she would seek to prove that Jones is her father. And she sued, filed the paternity case. If another appeal is filed, it is assumed that Mari Povich will oversee the next hearing. Nobody caught that. Well, we got a message, Jerry Jones and Jerry Springer, so somebody caught that. (sighs) He's 81 now? Their settlement allegedly called for Jerry Jones to pay Cynthia Davis $375,000 in a lump sum up front and for the daughter, Alexandra, to receive certain monthly, annual, and special funding from a trust until she was 21 years old. Attorneys for Jerry Jones said that Alexander Davis has received millions of dollars from Jerry Jones in her lifetime. Why would he have paid millions of dollars to this young lady... You know, it would be great. He's just a nice guy. Just a nice guy. If he paid some time, but... Eh, you know, as billionaire scandals go, could be worse. Could be Vince McMahon. Yeah. 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 It just uh, Another example of why you shouldn't idolize somebody because they're rich. Being wealthy does not mean that you are... Oh, no, no, no. I'm not making Jerry Jones out to be the good guy I'm not here. saying you are. But but I'm also not making Alexandra, or mom, out to be the good girl in the story as well. It's sad. All the Like, every single angle of this story is sad. And we only know it because one party in the story is worth billions of dollars. Thanks for being with us. Great to be with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. M-Trade Park tomorrow, starting at 3 o'clock. We'll talk to you then. Good night.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.